Hey listeners, welcome to 10x Growth Strategies podcast. I'm your host Aarti Vijayaraghavan, a product leader and avid reader and a book lover. Today we are discussing the book The Cold Start Problem by Andrew Chen with my dear colleague Bobby Burns. Bobby is the VP of Product and Engineering at Indeed Flex and Staffing Solutions at Indeed. With over 15 years of experience creating consumer mar- products and so online marketplaces at Ojo Labs, VRBO, uh, you know, which was acquired by Expedia and Microsoft. Bobby helps Indeed Flex teams build technologies that leverages data to make it the fastest way to get access to work. Welcome, Bobby, to 10x Growth Strategies podcast. Thanks for having me. Cool. Thank you. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and your career journey. What got you to become a marketplace nerd? Okay. Uh, you know, so growing up, uh, I think I was always some kind of a nerd. Uh, I taught myself how to program when I was maybe eight or nine years old. Um, and so throughout uh, junior high and high school, um, always hacking something and and um, just fascinated by what I could do with software. Um, went to went to university for computer science. And when I got out, I, for the first time, really questioned what I wanted to do. And I, the in, engineering um, and coding the rest of my life just didn't appeal to me. Um, luckily, I was able to find the product role at Microsoft and see that side of it. And mm-hmm. so for most of my uh, professional career, I've really leaned into the product side of things. Um, yeah, started at Microsoft, uh, you know, first like real job uh, and was focused on project management software mm-hmm. and task management. So a lot of things like Microsoft Project, uh, which is a professional uh, project management software, Gantt chart maker uh, in, in its uh, simplest description. And then uh, looking at the task uh, and collaboration features uh, on SharePoint, which we later brought to Office 365. Um, So really cool experience, like focusing on the information worker and, you know, small projects lasting two to six weeks, uh, you know, lots of documents being shared. And and really at the time competing against like the base camps of the worlds and the asanas of the worlds, but Mm -hmm. in a way that would scale for very large enterprises that, you know, Microsoft Office was used to, used to serving. Um, great experience in learning just how to build professional software at scale um, and releasing and impacting millions of people. Um, and, then, and then later, uh, I decided to join what was HomeAway and what is now Verbo and once upon a time was VRBO. Uh, <laughs> And joined uh, joined HomeAway and moved to Austin and really started leaning into the vacation rental marketplace space. My original focus was on all things search. So mm-hmm. backend search service, uh, the geography system that determines which vacation rentals you show or don't show when the user searches for something. Um, uh, later, looking at the ranking algorithm for how we display search results and the order in which we display the rentals and joined at a really interesting time where um, they ultimately had to change their business model and moving from a a world where they sold search position to one that it was going to be all transaction fee based and true kind of e-commerce marketplace play. And so um, everything that I worked on had to kind of be, uh, overhauled for the new world and become conversion optimized. So I got to 
work with a bunch of really talented folks and build things like the first machine learning model in the company, uh, build a conversion-based uh, ranking algorithm, uh, tune our geo system to be completely dynamic and again, uh, optimize for conversion. Um, and rode a wave where over the course of two years, I think, or course of maybe 18 months, I think we doubled in size and doubled our conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and transformed a marketplace and, and uh, you know, made some major changes for our vacation rental owners. So just an, an incredible experience. The, the last couple of years I was at Verbo, um, I managed most of what would be our consumer product team. So uh, the web, the website search, our, our property page, and then our native app, uh, which also included collaboration features for you know large groups of families and friends traveling together and planning together. Um, so really cool experience. And then uh, after that, joined a, a startup in Austin, Texas, uh, called Ojo Labs, where I had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, yeah. You, Joined maybe three months before the pandemic hit, uh, three to four months before the pandemic hit, I think. And uh, so w- quickly went into lockdown and just an incredible kind of experience of, uh, I think we had been working on the first set of features uh, that I kind of helped led on our consumer experience when we joined. And we, we launched those in April of 2020. Mm-hmm. And when nobody was searching for real estate, we doubled our weekly active users through product changes, which was awesome. Yep. And then uh, later that summer, we acquired a company, Movoto.com, which is where I met you. Uh, <laughs> and then later in that year, we spent the remainder of kind of late 2020 and all of 2021 wiring up Movoto.com, which, you know, fourth or fifth largest uh, real estate search portal in the U.S., to the backend platform that Ojo Labs had built to um, satisfy the leads that would come in on these real estate portals and connect them with real estate agents and better matching, um, a call center, concierge center to kind of help the consumer uh, ultimately buy or sell a home. And so it was crazy. I think we originally planned to do the full migration in six months, but we went from zero to fully nationwide in 30 days, something like that. And then uh, 60 days, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then um, created a third party real estate network from scratch, uh, which I think ended up becoming like the fastest growing third party referral program in the history of North America or something like that. And uh, yeah, just a whirlwind of building a plane while in flight and putting out fires and going as fast as you can. And, I'm sure we'll get into a bunch of different uh, topics here that, that are, you know, the challenges of a marketplace and it's always changing and you're always working on the next problem. So just really, really exciting time. Um, so, uh, you know, that gives a good segue, right? Obviously, yeah. both with VRBO and Ojo, you've been very closely interested in marketplace, of course, and Microsoft also kind of marketplace engagement loops. Less of a marketplace, but definitely was able to, borrow some of the, the group collaboration and, and uh, engagement uh, techniques and, and apply them to the marketplace for sure. Yeah. Coming to the book, actually, the cold start problem, like, have you been following Andrew Chen or what made you actually pick this book for our discussion today? Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Andrew Chen. Um, specific, I've never had the opportunity to meet him, but I've uh, read 
all of his stuff over and over again, especially some of his early blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found those particularly valuable for me um, during that time at Verbo, where I was leading a lot of these uh, features that were core to our marketplace and later kind of leading a, a large portion of our consumer team. I found that his frameworks for how to think about acquisition loops, how to think about engagement loops, network effects in general, and some of the techniques that were just being used at the time by other great consumer products were really helpful for me in terms of um, improving our metrics, improving our user experience, and also teaching the team how, how to think that way and and kind of you know lead the team to do that at scale, not just me in isolation. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things in the book, obviously, in a marketplace, the providers are the hardest site of the network, right? Like in Verbo, it must be your renters, Airbnb, again, home renters. In um, in Ojo, it's the real estate agents because they are the ones who are uh, creating value and adding value. And of course, in things like you know LinkedIn or other places, it's the content creators, like podcast content creators. So how did you think about like you know explain some of the things you faced in your career in terms of solving for the hardest uh, hardest challenges to attract the hard side of the network? Any any nice anecdotes which you you use principles from the book and and which you applied at your work and and that led to attraction of hard side. Um, you know one thing that uh. One thing that I'll say is I feel like the book echoed that it's it's not always straightforward and sometimes you make mistakes and lessons learned. Uh, when I look back, I, I, I don't know if it's just uh, my bias, but I remember more of the mistakes I made than the things I did right. Uh, plenty of stories on the hard side. Mm-hmm. I think for Verbo, uh, uh, kind of quick history at the time. So previously, HomeAway and Verbo would sell search position. And mm-hmm. so a vacation rental owner could come in pay for like a platinum package, you know, $1,000 for the year and essentially pin themselves at the top of search results for the geographies of their choice. Um, And then take in all of these leads, uh, people inquiring about like, can I rent your home? And that was it. It was kind of up to the vacation rental owner from there. And so vacation rental owners loved this. It was tremendous value for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, that had major... uh, consequences for our business. So if you're, if you're going to have to spend more aggressively to get uh, consumer traffic and compete in SEM and pay for Google ads, uh, that, that business model does not lend itself uh, to that direction. And we were starting to see hotel sites bid more and more for vacation rental terms. And obviously there's, uh, there's that little company called Airbnb that we were competing against (laughs) the whole time. Uh, and, and they were obviously growing at light speed. And so it was ma- the decision was made to change our business model, to move to more of a uh, transaction-based um, approach where we would take a transaction fee and, and all, the, uh, all the bookings would be online, much like a hotel experience. And, and then in that way, we could actually monetize by optimizing our return on advertising spend and, and um, bid aggressively in SEM, um, optimize for conversion. And so when we made that change, two things kind of happened. One is, I don't know if we ever explicitly talked about it at the time, but it, it actually fundamentally changed uh, who at least we was our supply and who was our demand. Might not, you could debate the hard side, but previous, mm-hmm. prior to that, when the owners are paying for this package, they're very much the demand. 
And the yeah. supply is we just give them as many leads as possible. Um, when we moved to a transaction-based approach, it fundamentally changed. The owners became the supply. Those homes for rent are the supply and the demand is the consumers and, and the transaction fee we take on each of the bookings they create. Um, and so the hard side was the owners. And at the time, like I said, we had, we took these owners and we were saying, hey, you know, $1,000 or less a year and you get all the leads you could ever want. And we had to walk them through how if we don't change and move to this business, uh, this new business model, this whole thing probably doesn't survive. Uh, it was it was looking very dire mm -hmm. um, in terms of our ability to compete going forward. And so, but from the owner's perspective, it, you know, at, at least at first, many of the owners viewed this as a loss, uh, viewed this as a negative. And so we had to educate walk, them. educate them and walk them through and and tell and explain to them how this was going to be okay. And we changed our matching algorithm at the whole time. We started forcing online booking on them. And so we, we, we were faced with all kinds of different challenges about like trust and safety. Um, before the owners felt like they could vet every single consumer and make that call. Now we're saying be online and be bookable online and let us, you know, control that trust and safety. So lots of, uh, thought had to go into how we make that okay for them. Um, you know, uh, guarantees in terms of trust and safety, um, all kinds of things like that. Um, so I think from from your side, right, like the way you you solve the hard side is obviously the, you know, changing the business model and trying to give a value add for your owners itself, trying to make them have uh, more just a demand, but a sure demand. And for the consumer, it's more the trust and safety saying, if I want to go to this place with this rental, I will really get a book. Uh, this thing. So one of the things in the book they talk about is a lot of flintstoning in terms of how a lot of things is where you know manual or operations yeah. or a hybrid of software. Any any stories from that from your learnings? Like did you guys do anything like like how early Reddit's had links on their own by their uh, by their founder? Yeah, yeah. Or not to um, that level at least. <laughs> I think Verbo didn't have as much Flintstoning. Uh, there are definitely times in my career as a, uh, you know, where we did whatever it took. So when we first rolled out the, uh, our, our uh, ML or our, 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 our new conversion based sort, um, the data pipeline actually wasn't quite ready to deliver the results uh, or the scores real time. And so for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months every day, uh, I would wake up at 8 a.m., run a new query, get the scores and manually upload it. And uh, you do things like that uh, just to, to make progress and to make headway while the systems are being developed. But in terms of true Flintstoning, less there, uh, less like anything like Reddit where you're creating content or like even Airbnb, I think in the early days was um, scraping uh, rentals on things like HomeAway and Craigslist yeah. and using it to create a catalog uh, just to get the flywheel started. Um, I haven't had, I, you know, the I, I, there might have been some Flintstoning at Ojo now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> in terms of there were definitely things that um, we would try that weren't maybe ready to be done at scale, but were being done manually yeah. um, by human beings and our concierges and um, and then later we would come through and with product, be able to scale it or automate it. And so it was always this rinse and repeat behavior of, can they do things ahead of us and, and kind of be obsolete in that regard? 
product follows it up and scale, you know, makes it scalable or removes the work from them completely and then on to the next thing, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, in terms of, uh, you know, one more thing about networks is, you know, the networks are organized according to the rules and either in Verbo or in Inven and Ojo. Uh, at Ojo, we were trying to figure out how, what is the best uh, way a real estate agent can serve the consumer. And yeah. in Verbo, I'm sure you are, you touched upon some of the things where the consumer needs to have the trust that the, the rental is going to be available and the renter is going to have the trust that they're going to have the, what do you say, a verified consumer who is, who's really going to pay. So in terms of that, right, like how did you kind of, think about these rules for the networks uh you know say any rules which you built with your teams uh which which kind of uh, help them organize hmm. um, let, i'm not sure if this completely answers it but uh maybe we can build on it i think one of the things that um is consistent whether it's at verbo uh, whether it's at Ojo or now, uh, what I'm working on with Indeed Flex is you have this notion of uh, what I've always called marketplace design. Mm-hmm. But it's it's thinking about the incentives uh, or the penalties that you create on either side of your marketplace to manage it. And you know, one of the lessons I think I've learned throughout my career, I think it's echoed in the book a little bit, is typically the carrots and the rewards mm-hmm. work far far better than the sticks or the penalties. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's definitely, um, something I'm very intentional about. And I think what I found to be successful in all cases is creating a, what I'd say is like a gold standard or like the, the, um, ideal, uh, person on either side of the marketplace and you are then able to reward them, uh, for that behavior, but also, use it as something you point the rest of your demand or rest of your supply to and say, this is what it means to be great. And, and, you know, put that in front of them as the carrot. So some specific examples, um, Verbo had the concept of a premier partner on Mm -hmm. the vacation rental owner side, I believe is what we called it. And it was those that lived up to a certain experience level they were delivering, um, to our consumers. Um, I believe Airbnb is very similar to the super host and all that. Yeah. Yeah. The super host concept. Um, We, I don't think we ever, at least you might be in the process of rolling it out, but I don't think we ever fully got there in terms of rolling that um, type of third party program out at Ojo, or we were starting to around the time I left. But what's interesting is, and it's a good example of even if you don't necessarily put a program around it or message it externally, um, one of the things I've done both at Verbo and uh, at Ojo and, and now starting to do at uh, Indeed Flex is you break, bake that concept into your matching algorithm. And, and basically the, any, yeah, any, any, whether it's an actual algorithm or just the mechanics of how you're pairing supply and demand, you've got to reflect what the marketplace wants. And so it's not just whatever converts the best. Mm-hmm. You've got to think, consider things like uh, the utilization of your suppliers. And, and so uh, if we talk about real estate agents, we were very, very thoughtful about what are the agents that are the best actors in our marketplace? Yeah. Not only in terms of do they ultimately help consumers buy and sell homes, but um, are they responsive to us? Uh, yeah. Are they answering quickly? 
Um, uh, later, you, you in, in other marketplaces, you get into like, will they deliver a five-star experience uh, in terms of reviews? All that have to be factors that you don't necessarily, it's not necessarily a feature in terms of predicting conversion. It's something as a marketplace, you're saying, despite conversion, I'm going to either go above and beyond and incentivize or um, disincentivize bad behavior uh, uh, through these kind of like uh, boost or, or, or penalties in the, in the, yeah. Um, Same with eligibility. We would say, Hey, things like we are going to um, control how much volume a vacation rental owner gets or uh, a real estate agent gets because it's a zero sum game. You have to, yeah, you know, if one person is getting less, that means one person's getting more. And so you have limited demand. You have to figure out how to piecemeal that best to maximize results for the company, results for your uh, supply base, and hopefully uh, positive results for the consumers and the demand. And so it's uh, create those win-win-wins, basically. It's kind of a chess chess match where you're trying to figure out where to move the pieces and ensure that these yeah. are all uh, balanced as much. So yeah. one of the things, obviously, you worked in real estate and Verbo, right? And and in the book, uh, you know, Andrew talks, of, he's from Uber. So Uber is highly yeah. regional difference and there is a lot of geography. So marketplaces, yeah. by, by definition, at least in the companies whom Andrew also refers and we have also encountered is all governed by geography. So in real estate mar- matching, you know, it is between consumers and agents and what you've done in Verbo is between rentals, right? So how have you used any geo-based solutions in order to build tools for the users or something in order to either attract your consumer or the, you know, the supply side in your yeah. vacation rentals, actually? Um, so two thoughts on this one. One is you're you're right that in the marketplaces I worked on, geo is very very important. Yeah. Um, not all not always in every marketplace. One of the things I, I like to do, um, whether it's a marketplace I'm working on or advising for, is kind of take a step back and try to understand that dynamic. Is there a global network effect where I can add uh, supply anywhere and it benefits all of the demand, or demand anywhere and it benefits all of the supply? And in a lot of ways, uh, Verbo actually demonstrated that uh, similar to Airbnb. If you have a um, if you have a traveler come to the site, because uh, a traveler will travel many places, and so anytime you add acquire a traveler, that's beneficial to all of your supply, or at least a large portion of your supply potentially. And then uh, conversely, um, you may have a you may add a supply in Austin, Texas. That doesn't benefit just the uh, the people in Austin, Texas, from a demand perspective. It pro- provides benefit to anybody potentially traveling to Austin. Um, so you no doubt have to look at the um, kind of atomic network, and when you're looking at performance of a market, like really hone in on those markets. But Verbo had the benefit of you add one to the other, it, it generally benefited the whole ecosystem. Um, Ojo was a little bit different because yeah. yeah, it was, it was a true root density network effect. It, very mm-hmm. similar to like an Uber is like, if I add a real estate agent to Austin, that does not help consumers in Houston at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until they decide to move to Austin, which they should, cause it's, it's much better. Uh, not biased at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so um, I, I think the most important thing you can do is start by really understanding that dynamic. Uh, cause mm-hmm. you will think about things slightly different. 
what, what is consistent across all the ones, uh, all the problem spaces I've worked on and is also holding true at Indeed Flex, where we help um, people get instant access to temporary work. It's, I think one of the consistent things I've found, because the tooling will differ. Uh, at Verbo, we built our geo system from scratch so that we could do really, really unique things and, and have proprietary data. At Ojo, we we purchased third-party uh, data that was just general census and then zip code data. Um, the system wasn't particularly sophisticated. Um, what's consistent, though, is what we did with that data. Um, you can build some really interesting features that look at uh, the geo two different directions. So, for example, if I'm going to search on Verbo for uh, Austin, Texas, from a conversion-based algorithmic perspective, you want to ask yourself the question like, for a user that searches for Austin, which are the properties they're, or areas they're most likely to book in if they're going to book a property? Um, and in the case of vacation rentals uh, in Austin, if you, for those of you that are familiar with Austin, it ends up being answers like around the downtown corridor mm -hmm. uh, where all the events and attractions are or out by the lake, uh, Lake Travis. Yeah. Um, and so um, some people will book in the suburbs, but it's not the typical traveler uh, that's searching for Austin. And so you would, you know, um, maybe decrease the likelihood that that prediction and, and de-emphasize them in ranking from a geography perspective for the ones that are further out and like Round Rock or further south. But that's just looking at it purely from a demand perspective. There's also the inverse question you have to ask yourself. For each listing, you have to ask yourself, if I'm going to get booked, what's the probability that that booking came from a user searching for the term Austin? Because you might get something where um, even though, uh, and, and Airbnb uh, is famous for like their mushroom house. And they'll tell the story of uh, while they were tuning this, if you just, if you just do probability uh, to book for San Francisco, mushroom house wouldn't show up. But it turns out part of what makes Airbnb awesome and part of what makes Verbo awesome is these serendipitous moments where you show these amazing homes that you would never think to book. And mm -hmm. they only show up in these weird locations that nobody would think to search for. So it's it, everybody immediately goes to the demand side, search for Austin. Where do people, when they search for Austin, book? But you also got to ask yourself, for this listing, how would people even discover me if I'm going to get booked? And so that's why you still see this mushroom house serendipitously show up for San Francisco houses, or you get these crazy, amazing hill country homes that kind of gets sprinkled into Austin results on Verbo. It's, it's because if you didn't do that from a supply perspective, they would never be found. Uh, and, and so that's the beauty of the algorithm. You can't solely focus on conversion. You have to think about supplier utilization and all of these marketplace considerations. And I think one, one of the most important things you touched on is how you use geographies based on your business. So in, in a verbal business, it's totally different in the way you use it. Uber yeah. used it differently where they only acquired certain number of drivers and, yeah. and how they acquired drivers in the rural areas versus in a highly, uh, you know, uh, concentrated uh, downtown area was much different. And Absolutely. around, around uh, even vacation rentals, I think the, the interesting point you mentioned was uh, it's also a way to attract your unique uh, unique uh, listings on the website. Otherwise, you're you're like a hotel room, right? 
So your mm -hmm. your your value proposition is the unique experience which you're providing to your consumers. So for that, you're attracting the guy who owns the mushroom house as well and making yeah. sure he gets featured. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, obviously that is the reason why we both are marketplace nerds. I think all of these hard problems and how we solve them actually. Yeah. Uh, one more thing, you know, you, when we were working together, one of the most important things you keep always looking at is product loops or engagement loops. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know I've heard you tell a lot of times, come for the tools, stay for the network, or, mm. you know, how do you do ops heavy scaling initially, those kind of things. So in right now, like, you know, in, in these products, what is the area which you really like a lot, like acquisition, retention, the moat, the differentiation or or the tipping point, like which time of the products is, do you think is most exciting and and, you know, like what are your learnings from, you know, one of the products which you've worked on at least? I think one of the things that makes marketplaces exciting is that it's always changing. And, and one of the things that's great about the book is he, he walks you through basically the maturity and the life cycle of the entire thing. And, and yeah. so and there's different lessons learned, different techniques at each step. Um, most of my career has been at a point where they've already gotten critical mass and now it's time to scale. And, and that's really where my expertise comes in of um, being able to scale through product and automation and, and, and really put um, some marketplace thinking and rigor into the, into the product and design that marketplace. Um, so I think because of that, I've probably have more uh, experience on the retention side. Mm -hmm. um, building engagement loops to keep users back coming back and, or monetization loops to increase conversion. Um, but what I enjoy the most, uh, you know, I think in general, there's, I would boil every marketplace down to just two fundamental problems. One is overcoming the cold start problem, which this book's entirely about, right? Like having enough on both sides to get a market and, and get the network effects going. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the second is the quality of your inventory um, or the quality of your supply base uh, or um, even quality of your demand at times. And, and that's where, you know, those incentives and, and, and things come in. It's, it's, it all boils down to trust at the end of the day and, and, and making sure you're, you're maintaining high standards in the marketplace. So um, yeah, I, I think um, where I'm learning still is acquisition side. It wasn't, it was an area where there was another team at Verbo that focused on it, but I, I learned a lot from them and kind of sponged it up. When I got to uh, Ojo and, and later worked with the Mavoto team, I got to um, try a few of those things out and work with the team on that. Um, and then um, now at Indeed Flex, we, we have a marketplace that is kind of proven for hospitality in uh, the United Kingdom and brought to the US and applied to more of the light, uh, light industrial space um, mm -hmm. in, a few, in a very few specific markets in, in California and Texas. And so the job is going to be, how do you scale it across the entire United States? How do you, how do you start to add some of the verticals like hospitality, which we, we do very well in the UK, uh, but also just other adjacent uh, verticals to give workers more choice. And then in the UK, it's kind of the inverse. It's like, how do you start to scale out uh, light hospitality or sorry, light uh, industrial work and, and other verticals beyond hospitality? Um, 
And so that I'm excited about that because, you know, there will be markets that we will effectively cold start. Um, and, and, and we we're making some progress now, but it's, we're still refining our playbook. And so I think I'm, I'm going to get to try a lot of the techniques, uh, and, and tools that I have in, in the toolbox, so to speak, but, uh, I'm looking forward to writing that story or those chapters of the book, right? Uh, I don't know how to go. Techniques. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think one, you know, one of the last questions which I had, right, like uh, the most interesting concept which uh, which I found insightful was trying to understand these different marketplaces and come to what is the minimum which will which will kind of tip. Like for Uber, mm -hmm. you want to have so many drivers which so that your wait time is not more than five minutes. Slack, yep. you want to have like 20, uh, 2,000 messages or at least one or two teams in the network. So yep. anything which you found like that so far, any number or anything which you can see where it's like, I need to have at least X number of listings in this place or agents, any anything which you, you've come as, as a number. With Airbnb, uh, in the book, I believe they quote Airbnb of having uh, 300 um, properties or mm -hmm. listings with 100 of them having a review. Um Verbo found something very, very similar. I want to say our, our numbers might have been closer to like 250 and 50. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly uh, you wanted to have a review that was above four stars. Anything below four stars was death in the marketplace. Um, and it was worse than having no reviews at all. Mm -hmm. And um, there, was a, there was definitely benefits of getting over the single digits reviews to double digit reviews as well. And so... Um, that pattern holds true for Ojo. Um, I remember having uh, seeing patterns of like there was a critical mass of uh, agents we needed to see in a given zip code for mm -hmm. it to effectively be um, like Uber, where the wait time for a consumer that needs to connect with an agent was was minimal, and we could kind of always have a high high fill rate. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I want to say that was like around. 15 to 20, but you might know better than I do these days. <laughs> it depends uh, on the area. You know that yeah. real estate is the local network, right? So it depends yeah, yeah. on the area there. So yeah. 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 Um, those are interesting concepts, concepts actually. So. Yeah. And certainly we had to have enough. It, it wasn't just the number of agents for response time, but it was for uh, the effectiveness of the marketplace and actually converting. We had to have a few like high caliber agents. Yep. Um, and so there's a lot of emphasis on the mix of agents we had as well. Um, at Indeed Flex, um, I don't, I, I don't know if we've fully discovered uh, our our magic number, uh, so to speak. Um, we we have heuristics for like for a given uh, client demand, saying a posting a temporary job, how many. Um, workers we want to have to um, generally feel good about that fill rate um but i don't know if we we've quite uh unlocked the like what's the tipping point where number on both supply demand that you can set up a market and go um or if they do that's new to me so uh you know that's probably where i'll be spending my time in the next couple of months yeah that's that's really good i think that one of the reasons i brought this up was you know as product leaders we both uh, like metrics defining metrics yeah and and in the book he talks about these as tipping points which eventually become the metrics in order to measure the health of your network 
So okay. marketplace is a living organism and, and you need to always check your health of your network. Otherwise, you never know. The marketplace can go poof as well. So I think Absolutely. there are some examples of that as well in the book. So I think that yeah. was the most important thing which I liked in the book was some of these highs and lows as well. Yeah. So cool. I, I think I think he does a great job uh, specifically at Uber talking about too, avoiding the vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. Like it's always fun to throw those in front of the team and celebrate it. But when you're actually looking at uh, operationalizing the marketplaces, you got to be um, very concerned with a small set of metrics that really, really matter. Yeah. So to close it out, like what, what do you think are some of the main takeaways from the book? Like, you know, which, which you've gone, or if you, if you're a person who's starting out in marketplaces, what do you think is the main takeaway from the book? Main takeaway, it's, it's hard because there's so much to it. I think that's one of the reasons why I love the book is oftentimes I'll get asked like, Hey, can you teach me about marketplaces or how do you know? And it, it's a great, almost one-stop shop for everything in a easy to read condensed book. It, it basically gives you that perfect crash course for somebody who wants to learn about network products and, and marketplaces. Um, and even somebody like myself that, you know, maybe had been at it for a while before reading it still learned stuff and something new and there's new stuff there. Um, if I had to, if I had to call one thing out that I would say as a takeaway from the book, specifically for product leaders, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there that are, are pitching, you know, seminars and training programs of, of what I call idealistic product, where it's like the company is product led and you think deeply about problems to solve and you go do endless discovery and it's amazing. And it's um, unfortunately, um, in my experience, not super practical and uh People get disappointed when a company doesn't operate that way um, because they have that expectation when in reality, I don't know if that's, if that's ever the, the full, ever fully realized. And so what I loved about the book and specifically as anecdotes about Uber is they led it with the, they were proudly ops led. There was none of this ego about like, oh, we've got to be a product led company, even though Uber has a great product that I use all the time. It was proudly ops led. And they reflected on the ops can go do these unnatural, not scalable things to just win at all costs, do whatever it takes. And I think that's, if you're going to be a successful product leader in marketplace spaces, you have to have that mentality of it's do whatever it takes, uh, scale at all costs. I like to, you know, there's walk before you run. I like the crawl before you ball. Uh, you got to have that mentality and, and partner very, very closely with some of those functional ops leaders, product can obviously solve problems, but it's at a different time scale and it's lagging a bit. And so it, it, you've got to respect that temporal nature of what each discipline brings to the table and kind of take a one team approach to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually a great takeaway, especially for folks who are, who are coming with this product led mindset, the hustling culture and how you want to quickly build an experiment and learn yeah. from that with your operations actually and scale. Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. Cool, that's a great takeaway. Thanks, Bobby. I think it was a really good engaging discussion. Uh, for the listeners, do check out the book, uh, The Cold Start Problem by Andrew Chen with tons of experiences, tons of anecdotes, war stories, war room stories as well, and the power of networks and how you can harness them. Uh, you know, this was interesting and I hope all of you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you again, Bobby, for this great time. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. This is fun.